Today's episode of Hey Coach, It's Blank Podcast is brought to you by Bubbles and Blocks Child Development Center of Lincoln. This week, I'm joined by a longtime competitor in the recruiting world, Sean Callahan, as we traverse through his path from a kid who read everything he could about sports to becoming the publisher of Husker Online. Sean explains how he got into recruiting, why Nebraska's media has become recruiting crazy, and a few stories on his time around Huskers athletics. Sit back and enjoy Hey Coach, It's Blank Podcast. Started with print, we moved into broadcast, got a little bit of radio and play-by-play in there, and now we're going to go into a world that I know pretty well, but not nearly as well as the guests this week on the Hey Coach, It's Blank podcast. Sean Callahan from Husker Online is joining us here. Sean, welcome to the podcast. I think this is a first, Mike. I don't think I've ever been on air with you, so it's just I, a I was I was thinking the same thing. So when I put this whole thing together, I kind of brainstormed it. I put together sort of the mock lineup of what I wanted to do. You were one of the first names that I put down, not just because we haven't really had the opportunity to do anything like this in this setting, and not just because, you know, we have worked against each other essentially for the almost the duration of which I've been in the Nebraska sports media, but I just think there's some really interesting conversations about the recruiting side of the media that uh, you know, you and I can sort of get into that you probably can't have with with nearly anybody else. And so there's there's some great stuff that uh, that I want to dive into. I want to know a little bit more about your background and and kind of how everything came together. And then uh, we'll just kind of see sort of where all this goes. And I know that you have a, a wealth of stories that we can dive into as well. And so, Sean, the way this this works pretty much with with every guest except with Bishop, we started talking about Jarvis Redwine for some reason, Uh, pretty much start, you know, at the, at the beginning, when did you, and I, you're sale, you're a South Omaha guy, if I have this correct, I I know a little about your background, but when did you know that you wanted to be a part of the media? Like when, when you knew that you, you know, most people grow up, you want to play the sport or you have other professions you want to do. When did you know that you wanted to be a media member? Um, I mean, fairly young, I would say like, you know, I grew up on 38th and X street in South Omaha. My mom actually just is moving out of my childhood home like this summer. So it's a weird feeling when it happens. I uh, went through it a couple years ago. So, uh, that house is gone now, but, um, you know, I started getting like sports illustrated for kids back when I was in like second grade. Um, I started getting the regular sports illustrated in about fifth grade. And I would always, always have those with me and I would read them everywhere I went. You know, you could bring stuff to school on like Fridays and read when you're like in sixth grade, fifth grade. And I always have the new Sports Illustrated because it'd come on Thursdays. But mm-hmm. we got a paper too, you know, and it was and, and Omaha was a unique town because it was an afternoon paper town. Like people got a morning paper, but where we lived, everyone got afternoon papers. Um, so I would always sit around and wait for the paper to come. <laughs> and I, I would just study the box scores read over things every single day to the point where I still get a paper like to this day. Cause I've tried not getting one for like a brief period and I can't do it. Like I need just the repetition of reading through the pages every morning. It's just like this routine that I've established. So early on, I started doing a lot of that stuff. I started, you know, going to Nebraska games uh, my dad was a walk-on, never played it down at Nebraska. So, um, 
you know, he'd tell his stories about being down there. And then we got season tickets in 93 to Nebraska football. Seems like a good time. So yeah, good year to get season tickets <laughs> in row 88 South end zone, section 16, a seats five and six. We, my dad still has those tickets. Um, he has a couple other ones now too, but um, that's where I grew up going to the games and I went some early games early on. You know, I, I I considered myself more of a basketball guy for a while as a kid, though. I think everybody like likes basketball first before they really get into football, uh, because football is a hard sport to play when you're really young. Um, but you know, we would go to Nebraska basketball games. We'd go to Creighton basketball games. Um, I'd go to Creighton basketball camp. I'm not a Jace. I I'm not a Jace or anything like that. Um, but we'd go to I'd go to Creighton camp every summer. And um, my mom was roommates with Dana Altman's wife for three years in college, so we always kind of rooted for the Altmans and it would go to a lot of games. So I just grew up going to a lot of different events and games as a kid. Uh, I'd go to a lot of high school basketball games, high school football games with my friend, uh, Matt Moore, who was a Bellevue West football coach for many years under John Feynman and Mike Huffman went to a lot of Omaha racer games. I was a huge racers fan as a kid. Um, Kevin Kugler was once their play by play guy. Um, but you know, we, we had a lot of fun. I, I went on some, my parents, I don't know why, but when I was in like eighth grade, they, they had a playoff bus trip. They had two of them. And when I was in eighth grade, me and a friend got to go on a bus trip to Sioux Falls by ourselves for a racers playoff game in eighth grade. And I'm thinking to myself, there's no way I would let my daughter go on a bus trip um, to Sioux Falls, South Dakota in eighth grade to watch a CBA playoff basketball game. But I was kind of a junkie. I, I played sports. I love sports and, and just developed like this is what I want to do someday. Yeah. Did you have like a favorite writer or was there anybody that you just like you, you constantly wanted to read their stuff or was it everything? Like whatever you could get your hands on, you wanted to read. Well, I mean, naturally Chattel was big in my era growing up because he mm -hmm. was the main voice for the Omaha world Herald for the national title team. So you read a lot of Chattel. Um, Steve Pivovar was a name that, you know, I really got to know and respect and he's a South Omaha guy too. So I, I went to, school with his niece at gross um and you know i i knew steve's daughter um in college a little bit too so you know I, that was a name growing up nationally the name i always really liked and followed was dick shap um i just think the way he did things the way he developed relationships with people um i i read his books and that that was a guy i'm like god that i want to be like that i want to be able to you know, not just make this a job. I want to have relationships with the people and, and, you know, make it more than that. So that was a guy I really followed and, you know, have studied his work over the years. It's funny. You mentioned Dick Shap. I was just talking with somebody. He had a Bo Jackson biography that I remember that uh, I got my hands on. My mom bought it like a garage sale when I was young. And I remember reading that and just being like infatuated with Bo Jackson, who I really never got to watch play because by the time he was on his way out would have probably been, I was maybe like eight at that point in time. But I, I was just telling someone about that book and I hadn't thought about Dick Schaap in a while. And he was, I mean, he was a big deal, even as I was just sort of coming into, to knowing what ESPN and everything was. So um, it's, it's fascinating. You brought up that name. So you're, you're into all of these sports, you're reading everything you can get your hands on, you're playing sports, you're getting out of high school. I, I know that you were at the DN for a while. And you also, uh, if I recall correctly, didn't you work for ESPN uh, yeah. as like an intern at some point in time? So was that was that sort of the the hands on experience that you had 
uh, at that point? Or had you already started writing or, or working? Did you do high school newspaper, anything like that? So I did high school newspaper for three years um, at Gross, and I was the sports editor for two of those years. So that that was a great experience. Just, you know, you, you do like one story a month, though. It wasn't like anything taxing. I can tell you my first article I ever wrote was on a Mexican restaurant in South Omaha called Guacamaya. It's still around, um, which that that's pretty, it's moved locations, but they took over the old shortstop steakhouse on 42nd and G or F by St. Stan's there. And I guess right off L and I wrote a restaurant review on that. My mom and my grandma all came with me and helped me do my, I was 15, you know, I was a young <laughs> sophomore in high school. Um, but when I got to college, I kind of knew you had to get going right away. Um, just cause this wasn't an easy field to get into. And so I showed up at the daily Nebraskan and called the number and Sam McEwen answers the phone and he was the sports editor and he yeah. said, Hey, yeah. He's like, come on down. We'll, show you around and, um, you know, hopefully give you an opportunity. So Sam, Sam was the guy that hired me at the daily Nebraskan. I got to go to volleyball media day in 1999. That would have been Terry Pettit's final okay. season as the head coach. Um, and then on my new student orientation tour, uh, Rick Alloway said, Hey, we have a sports director position coming up for, you know, we want to hire at least, two freshmen because I think he didn't want to have to go through the hiring process every single year. He wanted some people to be there for a while, which I get when you hire interns. Now you want people that you can have for a few years. So I, I just stayed on Rick Alloway, got on him. Um, and then he's like, yeah, and I had people write letters of recommendation to get the position and he hired me. So I was able to get a credential. My first game at UNL as a student all the way through now to my age of 40, almost 43, I've had a credential every game uh, for home and, and almost every road game since 2000. Um, so that's how I got kind of in the door around Nebraska football, um, covering all that stuff. I did get an announcing job, a couple announcing jobs. So Tim Yonk, the Creighton prep head football coach was the athletic director of gross high and my football and basketball coach back then uh, JB basketball coach at one time and assistant varsity football. And he knew what I wanted to do. And he'd always he always would give me time, a hard time. He said to me once, he goes, you want to be like the next two pops so don't you? He'd, he'd say that to me and we joke about it now. And, and I said, pretty much. And he, um, he goes, Hey, I, I want, I want you to be the PA announcer for the girls basketball games. And he's years later, he said, you don't understand how hard that was to get the school to let a student do that. Cause you know, what if you screwed up or did something right. wrong, but he gave me my first microphone to announce a uh, public address, announce those girls basketball games. I also did a job where I announced races. I was a uh, public address announcer at I-80 Speedway. Um, no where, kidding. Yeah, and I, I got paid 60 bucks cash for Saturday nights to, to announce races. And so that it was is impossible for me to think of you as a PA guy. Because, I, I mean, I covered those dirt track races before. Like, it's just hard for me to imagine you in that role. But. So you were in high school doing that? No, I, I would have been a freshman in college. Okay, yeah. And um, still, Rich Bellino, um, his brother's the guy that he's passed away, but his brother runs all those fireworks stands, Bellino Fireworks. But Rich mm -hmm. hired me, and he owned La Vista Kino, owned this track, and he was kind of a gruff guy. He didn't mess with this guy, and, and he's just like, ah, just announce the races and don't screw up. And, and at the end of the night, they gave me 60 bucks. And um, But, you know, there'd be a few thousand people there. You'd go down yeah. on the track, do a trophy ceremony, um, so I'm like, well, this is an opportunity to get in front of people on a microphone 
at age 19, like who's getting that, you know? So I need, I need to keep doing this. Um, so that all kind of led to the beginning of my career. I did some writing for the Bellevue newspaper, the Bellevue leader. I did games for them because their sports editor went to my church. Ron P was his name. Um, all of that led to the end of my freshman first semester. Sam McEwen goes, we're going to give you your first beat. So this is like December of 99. He goes, we're going to put you on football recruiting. And nobody wanted, you got to understand, nobody really like wanted to do football recruiting. It wasn't yeah. like a great beat to have at that point. And so I was like, I, I'd love to do football recruiting because you got to go on this website called rivals.com. You got to basically follow up what they do in recruiting because nobody would expect some student to like break recruiting news when you're like a freshman, you know, in that era. So just follow what's going on on these websites. And I started corresponding with Jeremy Crabtree at that point. And he was there with Bobby Burton and Jeff Ketchum. Um, they worked out of Austin, Texas. And the next thing you know, Jeremy's like, hey, we need a part-time student. Do you want to start helping me out? Um, so I, I started writing for Rivals at the second semester of my freshman year of college. And that's really how that all started. Um, you did mention the ESPN thing. I'll get in that real quick here. Um, so my sophomore year, I applied to intern at ESPN. I had already been working for 1620 The Zone in the summer before that um, on top of the other things we were doing. And I flew out to Bristol and I interviewed for the position with Al Jaffe, who was in charge of all the hires for talent back then. And he goes, good news, bad news. He goes, um, you're the first sophomore I've interviewed and I don't hire sophomores, but great experience for you to come out here and interview. So I, I'm like, God, oh, this sucks. Cause we had to like scrape together a lot of money to buy, buy a flight, go mm -hmm. out there. I wasn't old enough to rent a car. So just getting a cab, yeah. and that process. Well, so I applied the next year and I got it. Um, and I got to live in Bristol, Connecticut for 12 weeks. And you know, this is 2002, the height of sports center, right? you had to watch sports center to like keep up with sports. So to be out there at that time was an incredible experience just to, to be on the front row of that for that period. So basically I've always been kind of impressed. Like you're, you're always someone who always has a lot of different jobs going on, but that's gone all the way back to, to more or less high school. Like you've always had different irons in the fire. Like, is that just the way you're wired? Like if you don't have something happening, you're always thinking about trying something new or doing something like that. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it was my, my mom and dad. Um, they just encouraged me to do new things. And if I wasn't good at something, they wouldn't like, I think now when kids aren't good at something, they just quit right away. Um, but when I was a kid, I did Taekwondo. I was a second degree black belt in Taekwondo. Uh, my instructor ended up becoming the police chief of Omaha. So I, I learned and trained under, the eventual police chief, Alan Pepin. So I had a great mentor right there at a young age to work with me. Um, and then I played the violin um, several wow. years of my life growing up as a kid. Played basketball. I played baseball. I was terrible at baseball. I was on a very good team, um, and I was one of the worst players. But I still kept playing baseball because, I, you know, it was kind of what you did. Um, but yeah. basketball became my main sport. I was, I was one of our better players growing up on our teams. Um, you know, made the varsity in high school. Uh, played in the state tournament, but I, and then I ran track. So I look at this career. It's like being a three sport athlete. You have to learn how to balance radio, TV, and writing. It's the same thing when you do track, basketball, football, violin, taekwondo, you have to kind of juggle all that. And, you know, like right now I'm working on a book and it's, 
I've got a deadline of September to finish this book and it is the biggest grind to do all your shows, be a husband, be a dad, um, write all your stuff, manage the website and write a book at the same. I mean, it's like, I get like this morning, I worked on the book all morning. I'm like, God, this is a grind. Can you, uh, can you give us a preview? What's the, what's the book about? So my first book I did 10 years ago was yep. with Triumph Publishing, 100 Things Nebraska Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. Um, and it did really well. I think we did over 10,000 sales of the book. So like, they were really happy with that. And they have come out with a new series for Major League Baseball, pro football, pro um, college football. And so the college football series is called The Program. MLB is called The Franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they've done a Yankees, a Red Sox, an Alabama. So we're going to do a Nebraska program book. And it's just kind of an all-encompassing historical book um, where there's going to be different categories. So, like, I've been working through the rivalries categories. So, like, I have a, you know, a chapter in Iowa, Texas, Oklahoma, Colorado. There's a coaches chap- category section. There's a legends category section, a traditions category section. So, you know, you've got to have about 70,000 words done, though, in the book itself. And I've done a month's worth of interviews they're all transcribed. So I'm, I'm ahead of the game on that end, but it's just, you know, then you got to kind of get together and you get know. down at night and you just grind. You got to get a check and you try to get through a chapter a night when you get rolling. But I mean, it takes longer than that, but that's kind of the goal and I'll get there, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. And, you know, I spent several hours with Tom Osborne and um, Bob Devaney's son and, and a lot of people that I've been able to do interviews with, with this book. So it's been a lot of fun to put together. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. So jumping back over, you've you're had this internship with ESPN. You're working with rivals already. You are doing stuff with KRNU and, and Daily Nebraska, and you have other gigs, I'm sure, as well. How did you kind of zero in as, you know, it, it seems like you you would have zeroed in as, as kind of like rivals was where you were going to spend most of your time or maybe that was going to be sort of the future or – what was that like at that time? I mean, you're, you're coming off that interview. Did you know that you wanted to go into the sort of recruiting world? Can you, yeah. do you remember what that was sort of like? It all just kind of evolved. You know, I, I could have worked at ESPN. It wouldn't have been on the air. It would have been in the production assistant job, mm-hmm. which I know a lot of people that have gone on to have success, you know, moving up there. I could have been in their research department. So, you know, I had a lot, like some of the people I worked with out there are still there. And I talked to, to this very day, um, you know, I, I did a lot of work with 1620. I mean, I, I was on the air every day doing Husker practice reports and I've been on the air every day in the five o'clock hour since the year, really the year 2000 providing a Husker practice report. 
and the five o'clock hour in Omaha radio. And I still do it on KFAB. Um, so that was a huge opportunity for me just to kind of establish myself around the football team that I had this recruiting stuff going. I learned how to do radio editing and producing because of that job as well. So I had, I had a, a skill set that, and I knew how to report. I mean, there just weren't a lot of people that could do all those things at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, but Shannon Terry bought rivals and Shannon hired you obviously at 24 seven. And when I was in college, um, the original rivals went bankrupt. It folded and Jim Heckman owned it. And um, it did the model. It wasn't a subscription model. So that version ended and then the new rivals started and Shannon bought it. And, they had said like, Hey, you know, be ready. We'd like to bring you on someday, hire you maybe. Um, and then they kind of figured out what they wanted to do. And initially like they wanted me to run the Nebraska site on my own. I mean, I, I was a student and I got, I don't know if I could do this. And then they got Huskers illustrated involved as the brand behind the site. Um, but as you know, they didn't, Husker illustrated didn't really want to do any writing on the site. They just wanted their name on the site. And they got money from some of the subscriptions, but they didn't actually have any of the real writers from the magazine doing a lot of work on the website back then. So Shannon said, hey, we're going to invest and make a digital writer hire in Nebraska. So I was offered the first full-time digital writer job in the Nebraska market at that point, and that would have been in 03. Um, and I, I knew the opportunity I had. And when I was on my interview Shannon was there and some other people. And one of the other guys has said to me, he's like, yeah, they were talking about this job, Sean. And Shannon said, like, whoever gets this Nebraska job could just make it, make it big. Like that fan base, the market, whoever takes this opportunity could really, really make it a big opportunity for themselves. And that always stuck in my mind that like what opportunity I had getting that job when I got it. Yeah. Well, what, what I'm sort of curious about, because my my real following of recruiting probably didn't really happen until probably 2004 or so. What were those early days like? You're you're trying to kind of build that site, you know, like you you know the whole playbook now and and we will dive into some on three stuff I'm sure before the end of this. But like when you're trying to build a site like that, what what were those sort of early days like? Do you kind of remember what you were sort of doing the trial and error process of, okay, we're going to try to do this. We're going to try to do that, or this is what we want us to be that sort of thing. So we had a unique setup. Um, Dwayne Rossiter, the late Dwayne Rossiter kind of ran the message board and the recruiting side of the site, um, but they weren't doing like the reporting and the team coverage, but they would call recruits and you had some really good guys that worked with them. um, And they were basically just fans, Rick Shaw, Doug Horwich, Mike Mattia, um, and, and Roz. I mean, those are some of the core people that worked on the site back then that worked for Roz. And then they brought me in to kind of add a, a real public face to things and, and, and do things. And then that's how John Tallman got involved because I met John as a student and then I introduced John to Roz and then John brought Roz into intern and then John moved o- over to, um, eventually working in the national offices for rivals back then. So it was, a uh, that, that was how it kind of started with, with our team of people and how it got going. Uh, but the early days, you're right. I mean, information, you had to call people. I mean, mm-hmm. you had to call people on their house phone. Very, very, very few people had cell phones at that point. Um, and if they did, you know, you, you didn't have a lot of minutes to use them and stuff. No one text messaged. I mean, the message board model, was so far ahead of its time. It was Twitter 20 years before Twitter. Oh. 
the way and it's for it to still be thriving to the level it is today tells you you know how big of an idea that was for college football especially w- with these message boards but um bill callahan was big i mean i i think if bill callahan doesn't come in in 04 and recruit at the level he did i'd be curious where we're all at right now because yeah he was the guy that created the curiosity with Husker fans to follow recruiting because they were in on so many big guys. I mean, it's for, that 05 recruiting class had two eventual Big 12 players of the year in it, Zach Taylor and Indomitian Sue. And I think that was kind of when it started where there's been this 20 straight years of interest in Husker recruiting because of really that year. Did you Did you ever sort of experience like – you know, you you felt like maybe recruiting was sort of looked at differently than like legacy media, and you kind of had to bridge the gap there to where you know recruiting, the way recruiting sites are viewed. And I I felt this even when I got the job at at uh, you know then Huskers Illustrated in 2011 uh, over with 24 seven Sports. Like recruiting was always sort of just viewed as this niche thing, and now it's just widely accepted as part of the whole package. But do did you feel that early on, like just almost like the legacy media sort of looked down on recruiting in a way, like it was just kind of this like side narrative to the whole deal? Oh, no question. I mean, it was, I remember when I got hired full time, um, I mean, there was a person at Nebraska and, and the media department is just like, you're going to get nothing. You're, you're just going to be like, you know, like you're not a priority and the two newspapers are always going to be the priority and, you know, you, you guys are going to just kind of be in the back seat of things and you just got to accept that, you know, and, and uh, that, mo- that, that, that was, that motivated me. I'm like, well, yeah, no doubt about it. Like, you want to say that to me, I'm, I'm just going to work harder and, and earn the respect of people and, and go harder every day. But you're right. I mean, early on you had to know like what each school's credential policy was like the one that I'll never forget is Virginia tech. And this, this wasn't that long ago. I mean, this was Oh nine. Nope. It was a long time ago, but I mean, not uh, to me, that was my first road game I ever covered. And they would not, they were like old school, like no online credentials period. So we couldn't even put a sniff of huskerillustrated.com rivals.com. So I always had this affiliation with the radio station with, at that time it would have been god would have been it would have been kfab so i put in my credential request for kfab and then robin traveled with me and and robin had to put his credential request in as the hastings tribune because i think i think vince was working there yeah vince cuffing right his buddy vince so we got credential that virginia tech and watched tyrod taylor luck his way out of that win and beat nebraska when you know we couldn't even be credentialed with who we worked for it was you know, and there was a lot of that where you had to, you know, know where you were going and, and whatnot. And even at Nebraska, like, I think they were so worried about other dot-com entities saying, well, you're credentialing this dot-com. You need to credential our dot-com. Mm-hmm. I think now they have a pretty good policy. If you're there every day, it's your full-time living, you're, 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 you're a credentialed media member. But if you're just a guy that has another job and shows up to the game because you want to have a free ticket in the press box, that's a whole different type of media where this is our living. This is what we do every day. So you said something earlier that I wanted to get back to, and you're talking about how, you know, you're covering recruiting. It's the age of the landlines. And I I'm thinking to myself, like when I first broke into this job, 
Twitter was a portion of it and it would grow to be like one of the lifebloods of how information would be disseminated. How often were you like covering a, a commitment that maybe had occurred like a day or two or three or four days earlier, but there was no real dissemination of that information because recruiting wasn't covered by generally wasn't covered, you know, day to day by newspapers at that time. So like you'd learn about a kid that had committed maybe like a week earlier and you would only know of this because you just happened to hit them up on the landline. Yeah. I mean, you're right. And an announcement press conference was big, way bigger back then because of that. But there's one that I remember like Chris Brooks, the receiver was going to commit yeah. to Nebraska and rivals gave me the green light. They're like, yeah, if you can go down to St. Louis and cover it. And this is the O five recruiting class. So I called Chris I'm like, Hey, um, if you want to hold off, like, and wait, I'll come down and we'll cover your, announcement and, and make a big deal out of it and he's like yeah let's do it and so we i mean we get hundreds of subscribers off him doing that and then that same day and dominic and sue committed mm-hmm. so it, it was a quite a day of recruiting you know i think the headline in the world herald or journal star was like an eight star day because it was two four star guys committing um to nebraska but there, there was a lot of that i mean justin tomerlin rest in peace he, he was at Butler Community College, and same deal. He's like, yeah, I'll hold off announcing. Come on down and interview me. So I went down to Butler and I interviewed Justin Tomerlin down there when he committed to Nebraska. Um, but you, you had you had to get a hold of somebody and confirm it that way. And our platform, the website, was how you released it. I mean, it was you're right. There was no other way to share that on another form of social media. Do you do you kind of miss that to to a degree? Because like. There's so much that's publicly available that sort of eliminates one level of the the expertise. And I'm not saying like I anybody wants to go back to it being 2007 or anything, but you really had to sort of earn it at that time. Like you couldn't just see a tweet, write a commitment story based off of a tweet, Like you had to go and do the work. And it, it just feels like a different era, almost no like doubt. a bygone era just the the legwork you had to do to get phone numbers back then you know it wasn't like somebody could text you a guy's number I mean, you, you had to have a really really good rolodex and you had to know like the coach's office phone the oh, yeah. director's phone the weight room phone i mean you, you wanted to have every possible line possible to reach somebody at because you wanted somebody to answer the phone and and that was and then once somebody answered the phone, they could get anybody to come grab the phone for, and then you got your story. And um, so. Do you, uh, do you have any, like, is there, you mentioned Chris Brooks, you talked a little about that. Is there any like real memorable commitments that you can sort of think of where you were just kind of shocked that it happened or, yeah, I imagine you've broken dozens and dozens of these, but is there anything that really kind of stands out for you? that was one that you're never just going to forget that kind of thing. Gosh. I mean, there's been so many over the years. I'm, I'm just trying to think if there's one, I mean, God, there's all these coaching changes have created just so much drama with different guys too. Like I'm just trying to think if there's one that Josh Freeman, he didn't go to Nebraska, but right. the saga of that one, how it played out. And, you know, he switched to Ron Prince at that point and you know they were going to be early enrollees to nebraska and he switched like right at the last minute and then his dad texted nebraska like we're not coming please don't call you know and that 
that was one that I'll never forget how that all played out with Josh Freeman. And, you know, there, there are a lot of those. I mean, like Bill Callahan, I, I think, was closer to making it go here than people really want to give him credit for. I mean, there were there were a lot of big name Almost, recruits yeah. that were that were close to coming on board. Yeah. So it's let's let's jump all the way ahead now. It's 2023. You have you switched over from from rivals to on three. You you kind of made that decision. And I, I'm curious, like, where do you see recruiting? Because you have the I've come in halfway through this thing, but you basically have nearly two plus decades or two plus decades of being involved in the in the recruiting world. What kind of where do you see this thing? headed because it just it's evolved so much and even just the 12 years of which i've covered it and you've now changed platforms uh you you've changed i would have to imagine changed styles changed in what you've chosen to prioritize how you've chosen to prioritize it all those sorts of things where do you kind of see things headed for the recruiting industry yeah i mean it's it's a different game i mean the subscription is still the most valuable thing because I, I do think the online ad market is so volatile that you can't just like strictly be ad driven. Um, I mean, there's been a lot of sites that have felt fa fa uh, fa failed because of that model. Um, so, you know, I think the subscription model still is really important. Um, you know, we added simple to our team and, and that's been huge just to kind of like solidify this move um, when we came over to on three, but they're on the cutting edge. I think with, with a lot of the ideas they want to do over here with the, covering NIL and, and, and just some of the other things that Shannon um, has really tried to, to, to bring over here. And I think that's the one thing I've learned in this industry when you're at rivals or 24 seven and you get bought by a Silicon Valley company, it's harder to get things done. Um, you know, these companies take off like rocket ships and then they get sold. And then when they get sold, all of a sudden you've got corporate overhead over the top of you and it can be harder to maybe evolve your company and so that's what's exciting again for me because when we were arrivals, that's how we were. And I'm sure that's how it was at 24 seven. You could just go, 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 go. And I, I feel that way again, like it's been a lot of fun kind of being at a new company with so much, um, you know, excitement going on and, and, and the way Shannon's evolved this company so quickly. And a lot of guys I've worked with at rivals for years and some that were at 24 seven are now over here. Um, so that's been fun to get to work with you, you, like Tim Watts and Rusty Manziel. I never knew Rusty till, but guys that you know, well, good guy. They're both good guys. Don't play fantasy baseball. With Tim Watts. Tell him I said that he'll know exactly what I'm talking about. So that that's been, <laughs> that's been just fun to be a part of. And it kind of re-energized you a little bit because at a certain point, you know, you kind of feel like you don't want to say you hit a wall or plateau. Like what can we do to make this better? And now we, we have like all just like a lot of new things that we can do to make our product better. And we've beefed up our, our shows and, and the things that we're doing with content. And it's a real revenue stream, you know, to, the podcasting and the vid, the vid shows that we're doing. And um, it's been a lot of fun to do it. And I think it's brought our content to maybe younger people that wouldn't have maybe have logged on to the website that might not log on to the website. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks. Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba. 
Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. One of the things that uh, I want to I want to make sure I get in here is I'm jumping around from spot to spot. I know Brunch and I were doing podcasting pretty early on, I don't know, 2016 somewhere around there. I know you guys were as well. That was a big thing when you moved it over to kind of a simulcast uh, radio model or whatever you want to call that. When did you first realize that podcasting had a lot of potential for just creating a different avenue and bringing in a new audience to your product? Because people yeah, I mean, knew what Oscars Online was, but by changing it up, by going to this kind of a podcast or doing it with a radio broadcast affiliate, opened you to an entirely different audience. I think what I learned is there are people that no matter what you do on the website, they're not going to pay for it or go to it, you know, like, but this is another way to maybe hit other people and then maybe get them interested in your product. And um, we started, yeah, I, I'm trying to think we've done uh four. Oh yeah. Sorry. But uh, we got an interview with a, a guy. Was that Kalen Sipple? Um, sorry. We, we, I forgot we had, we had a recruit coming on our show here. So there you go. But uh, yeah, we started doing the show um back in the day and you're like yeah this is a lot of fun and within one episode of doing it the ticket said we'll air your show every week and so we have affiliates that picked up our show and and it has a big listening audience but once we've taken it to full youtube with podcasts together i mean the popularity and and the people that we've reached it's just a lot more fun i I feel like when you're on camera people just like that better They, they like to kind of see you guys laugh and have fun so um, that's been a big thing that we've added in the last year. And it's, it's one of the more fun things we do each week. We are uh, getting close to finishing up here. So I want to dive into just sort of your thoughts on where things are at with the Nebraska media in general. I mean, it is, uh, I have to say, just guessing quite a bit larger than when you first started, uh, back in the early 2000s. Is that fair? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was obviously just the five TV stations or the two in Lincoln and the four in Omaha, Fox 42 came around and then you had the papers and then it was me and maybe a couple other people. I mean, now, as you know, there's 50 of us over there. So um, it is, I think when you come from the outside and look at the amount of people that cover this team, it almost freaks you out because like, how can there possibly be this much money made to give this many jobs for all these people that cover the team? And in a lot of cases, there are people that just stand there, not asking questions or doing things, but the, the the video recording of the content there is enough for their businesses to to monetize. And I mean, that just tells you how big Nebraska football is in this market. How do you sort of evolve your your creation, your product, if there's this many people all covering the same thing? Like you know, back even back when I was a student, and even in the early days of being at twenty four seven, you could still get more one on one interviews or be able to do sort of unique features that's harder to do now um I'm, I'm curious like how do you how do you continue to kind of be creative with what you're going to provide to distance yourself be, beyond just the recruiting and the personalities of the individuals that work with you uh, how do you kind of help keep it so the product doesn't go stale if everyone's getting the same people 
to interview each time out. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think the um, practice access stuff you can't really live off that. I mean, that that's that's just that's just a part of it. You, know, you got to be there, cover it, but you've got to find other ways to differentiate your product. Whether it's the shows you're doing, covering events, going to things in person, picking up the phone and doing your own interviews with other people. Um, you know, and I, I just think you have to create other ways to be different. And that is not easy to do. And it takes relationships and, and, and people that you have to get to know to be able to get that kind of content. But you're right. If you just covered those practices and wanted to live off those interviews that everyone's a part of, I mean, my, my thing about doing those interviews, I practice are great, but you can't really ever get into a flow. I mean, no, you get one, maybe two questions to Matt rule, maybe, um, and then if you go any more than that, you almost feel rude, but you know, cause there's so many people that want to try to ask Matt rule or Marcus Satterfield a question. Um, so I, I do think it is a challenge um, at those things to get much out of it. So when you go there, you got to make sure you have a good plan and get something out of it and know if you get something good, everyone else is going to get that same thing. So you better get it up fast. Um, and that's the one thing that's different about this job. Now you have to get your things up so quick because we're all in a race to grab the page views. Last thing for you, and we've done this with, with pretty much all the guests so far. Bishop talked about uh, some Danny Knee and Bill Callahan interactions. Sean McEwen talked about, or Sean McEwen, Sam McEwen talked about uh, Mike Eckler. Jack Mitchell also talked about Mike Eckler. What's one of the, the strangest coaching interactions that you can remember sort of throughout your career or just kind of, you know, you asked a question and got a completely wild response. Anything like that that comes to mind for you? You've got, you got plenty of coaches to choose from because you've been through pretty well, much every che- regime. I got chewed out by um, Bo Pelini twice on the phone, like mother effed. I, I, don't, I won't cut, but like, I mean, it was like scream, yell on the phone. One involved Bubba Starling reporting on Peter Gammons' story. And I interviewed Peter Gammons about why he tweeted that, about what what he reported about Bo Pelini getting mad at Bubba Starling and Bo didn't like that. And then the other one was when Bo first came to Nebraska, um, he just wanted to mark his territory and wanted, he just called to say, stay the F away from my assistants. I'm like, okay. <laughs> that guy. It was bizarre. Um, uh, yeah. Another one I'll never forget is after the 06 Big 12 championship game in Kansas City, Bill Callahan called me. I was leaving the dentist on a Monday the game was Saturday and I was in Panera bread in Omaha. And, and he's just like, Sean, Sean, they're killing us. They're killing us. The fans, he goes, the message boards, like people are seeing this recruits are seeing this and the fans are just, you know, like um, when they lost that game to Oklahoma, how poor they played. I mean, cause I should have yeah. won, won that game. And, yeah. It's not a good um, loss. He just had a real hard time. Um, I think with the criticism of the fans and um, just how passionate Nebraska fans are when it's going good and when it's going bad, as you know, it, it can turn quickly. Yeah. Hey, you know, real quickly, we'll finish right here. Last one. What, uh, what are your initial thoughts and impressions of, of Matt rule, his staff and, and where things sit right now as Nebraska, you know, turns the page to a new era? Well, it's interesting because um, he's got like the work ethic and, and the right approach as the head coach. And I, I think that's what you need. Um, the thing that's going to be hard still though, is the new big 10 and the schedule. Like, I don't think people realize how different this big 10 is now than when it was when Nebraska first joined the league. 
like Bo Pelini walked into a pretty favorable Big Ten in 2011. Joe Paterno had the scandal hit. Urban Meyer wasn't at Ohio State yet, and Brett Bielema was the top dog at that point. You look at this league now, it's night and day different. So um, I think Rule is really good. I think the challenge is can, can he win in essentially an NFL-level league when all these teams have high-level coaches, high-level players, where the money has made it. You know, it doesn't matter if you have money because everybody has got money in this league. Sean, we appreciate it. I uh, love to have you uh, on this podcast. I got to learn some about the industry that I work in, and I'm glad we could make it work to have you here. And uh, we will we'll see if we, we keep doing this. There's a second season, a third season. I'm just going to start bringing on more of the uh, the Husker Online crew. We'll just you line them up, and we'll knock it out. So I appreciate it. Thanks, Sean. Hey, thanks a lot, Mike. I appreciate it. a lot of fun. Yep. All right, everybody, we will be back. Yep. Thanks, Sean. We'll be back with another episode of the Hey Coach, It's Blank podcast. And, uh, you know, we'll dive into some more topics. We, like I said, we've hit the recruiting services now. We've done print. We have done broadcast. And we have done radio. So we pretty much can go anywhere from here. So appreciate everyone listening. Uh, Be sure to check out the podcasts if you missed any of the earlier episodes we had john bishop we had lauren michelson we had sam McEwen, and now we've had sean callahan who are we going to have next support for today's episode of hey coach it's blank podcast is brought to you by bubbles and blocks child development center of lincoln and hosted by podcast house media i'm mike schaefer we'll be back next week